Boy, those winter skies are just gorgeous. Look at that globular cluster and open cluster full of stars. Hey, everybody. We're so glad you're with us here at the American Space Museum to stay star curious on Stay Curious. I'm Mark Marquette, Stargazer Mark, bringing you backyard astronomy every Monday. Things that you can see from your own backyard, like this gorgeous view of just a piece of the celestial sky that has these treasures in it called Messier 35, this beautiful open cluster, and that, that other cluster over here, the big ball there, that is called NGC 2168, if you wanted to know. But they're over 2,000 light years away from Earth, and the night sky right now is filled with all kinds of what we call celestial jewels for you to see with your own eyes, some of them naked eye, a few of them, all of them you can see uh, with binoculars. And, of course, a telescope enhances some of these celestial treasures uh, for your own enjoyment. But you don't need a telescope in your backyard to enjoy the beautiful sky of our early uh, winter, which is all brought up with the constellation Orion rising in the east. And we're today we're going to talk about just off to the left of Orion rising in the east is Gemini the twins. And above them is the V-shaped constellation of Taurus the bull. Two very important constellations in the world of mythology as well as, ast uh, uh, as astrology. I have a hard time saying it, Marty. Uh, as I mentioned, Marty Winkle, my cameraman, co-producer on the show today, he's behind the, the grid work, uh, doing the fancy stuff to make us all look good here and help you stay star curious today. So we're going to talk about Taurus the Bull, but we're going to end Gemini the Twins, and let's kick that off. Oh, don't forget, when you're stargazing in your backyard, to have your planisphere and your red flashlight, because with your eyes adapt to the dark sky, adapt to the dark sky, any white light's going to make them contract, okay? And, and uh, you want them to dilate out and your eyeballs suck in as much light as possible. Just like when you go to bed, you turn off the light, you don't see anything in your room. But as your eyes dilate, you see everything in the room within five or ten minutes. That's the same thing you want to do outside to be uh, at maximize your star power, if you were, Will. And if there's a bright light by the neighbor or city street light, just position yourself where it blocks by the uh, eave of a roof or, or building or something. So a few stargazing tips there because wintertime is a time to really enjoy just sitting out and just losing yourself in the cosmos up ahead. So let's kick it off a little bit as I scoot around here from my stargazing position. And we are going to show you, uh, uh, that's a little out of sequence there, Marty. Let's go back here. We got, there we are. We got, let me get to the start of our program. There we are. What you're going to see in the sky is you look uh, about, oh, well, when it gets dark at 630, you're going to see Orion rising in the east. Okay, the three belt stars will draw you right to him. We talked about Orion a couple weeks ago on Stay Curious, Star Curious. So, uh, But here is the scenario looking at Orion. This is about 10, 10, 30, 11, when Orion has, is now on his standing on his legs to the south. We're looking towards the south. And you see Gemini, the twins, the two stars of the brothers we're going to talk about, the long line, parallel lines almost of stars. And then Auriga, we're not going to talk about today, but it's got that bright star at the top, Capella, that you'll definitely see. 
And Auriga is looks like a house, but he's he's a charioteer, is that guy. But we're going to talk about Taurus. You'll see the V-shaped of Taurus in photographs and, and the uh, uh, maps I'm going to show you. And they Auriga and Taurus share a star called Elnath, and that literally means the horn. And uh, Pleiades, the star cluster of the Pleiades, the seven little sisters, so gorgeous, so easy to beautiful to look at with binoculars. We're going to have a separate show about the Pleiades on our backyard astronomy here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned and look at the backlog of programs we've done on Stay Curious, keeping you star curious. And we're grateful that you're on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube watching us following us, sharing us, subscribing to us, okay? And we're so happy to be now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So I am working hard to be more descriptive for you audio friends out there that are joining us. And obviously it's a little hard to do when a lot of our shows like this one are based on images, but I'll explain them the best I can. And then you can come to our YouTube channel or Facebook Live and see our our entire episodes of Stay Curious. After all, we're almost, we're in, uh, into like a, a year and three quarters of this, and we're also working on Google uh, to have our Stay Curious program on Google. And uh, Marty's here running the board. Jessica Galloway just came in to help out and shoot me a few reminders there like she always does, and we appreciate that. And we're so grateful to Jessica and her talents and uh, uh, because she has t elevated this program to a new level. And uh, in fact, our boss has been on vacation for three weeks, and we can't wait to tell her we doubled our social media presence, uh, at platforms anyway, <clears throat> that we're broadcasting to. So let's get started with a little bit of Star Curious here in Gemini. The twins are a really cool constellation. Uh, uh, Castor and Pollux at the top there are the brightest stars. And like this, like two little stick figure men, they do kind of lay out uh, that way. And you see star, a lot of these stars have names to them, all right? And these are weird names like Mechbuda and uh, Aletha and Alzer. A lot of Al's and a lot of L's because a lot of names we keep are from the Arabics naming the stars. And they were avid stargazers in the, oh, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 years ago even. Castor and Pollux, though, are straight out of mythology of Roman mythology and Greek mythology. And um, we're going to share just a little bit of that with you here in a second. Oop, went the wrong way. Here are the brothers. They represent the twins Pollux and Castor. Castor is the one on the right, the first one to rise. Their mother was Leda, okay? Their father was Zeus, and, and uh, 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 they say that these twins had two different fathers. Can't figure that out. But Zeus was the, was the father of Pollux, and Castor's father was King Tyndareus, all right? So, uh, uh, but... Uh, Pollux was immortal and Castor was not. And the twins were inseparable. They're included in the Jason's conquest for the Golden Fleece stories. Uh, and in a fight over, over two women with another pair of twins, Castor was killed. And uh, Pollux didn't want to do without Castor. So he went to Zeus and, and petitioned him, please let my brother be immortal. And Zeus said, pondered that on Mount Olympus. He says, all right, tell you what. There's a caveat to it. You'll be immortal, 
but you'll be in Olympus half the time with the gods, and you'll be in Hades uh, the other part of the time, all right, which was their equivalent of hell in the concept there. So uh, that is the mythology of it. There's also tie into Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, is the is the Roman story of these uh, a pair in the sky. And there you go. You see it. They do look like a pair of, of, of stars in the sky. Castor at the top up there uh, is uh, actually six stars. It is three pairs of double stars orbiting each other, a very, very complex system. And as you look at the stars in the sky, and all these stars you see up there, over half of them have a companion going around them. And we're probably pretty sure that over three-quarters of them have planet systems going around them that we're slowly discovering around the nearest stars to Earth. Here is a leather outline that you see from there to there from a kind of the road map of the sky that we used to kind of them in the sky there. And uh, there's another outline, like a gigantic U uh, or a horseshoe is another way to look at uh, Gemini, the twins. And it's got uh, really a, one, two very cool objects in there. One, you need telescopes to see, and the other you can see with your naked eye. That's the open cluster behind me here that, that we show. This is just off of the foot uh, that we're looking at right here. See that M35 and the foot? That's called posterior. Tehat posterior means the, the furthest foot uh, uh, on Gemini. And there is buried a, uh, but we want to get to this one first. Whoop, where would I go? Back to here. See where it says clown nebula? Well, that's sort of a politically correct term for what we, I've known for 50 years to be the Eskimo nebula. And somewhere down the line, they think it's insulting to Eskimos to honor them in the sky with something that looks like kind of an Eskimo, and you'll see here in a minute. So there is the is what we call the Eskimo Nebula in kind of a backyard telescope. You're not going to see the color, but you'll definitely see what looks like a planet, a little circle there. And what these are are stars that blew up, and the outer shell of them is what we're seeing. And there's just hundreds of them in the sky, and astronomers dub them planetary nebula have nothing to do with planets except they're round-looking like a planet in the sky. But when we get a little closer with a better telescope and more advanced photography, there you see why they call it the Eskimo Nebula, because it looks like the face of a happy Eskimo with his furry hood around him there. You see that, Marty? Yep. If Marty sees it, then you're all seeing it. I guarantee you there. Marty's laughing there. But the Hubble telescope, of course, blows our minds away looking at this star that exploded right in the center. And what happens is a star belches maybe some of its atmosphere before it blows up entirely. And then when it blows up, that, that, that belch is slower moving gas. And when it blows up, the faster gas hits the slow gas and interacts and shows you all these crazy hexagonal geometric shapes in there. Uh, so that's what's going on here. This is a star that blew up maybe uh, uh, 300,000 years ago, something like that. But the star still survived and is probably a neutron star in the center of that. The Eskimo Nebula, one of the treasures in the sky to see. <clears throat> this is um, a picture. Uh, uh, oh, I, I, again, let's go to, uh, oh, yeah, I've, that's the background I got there. I doubled the background there. We like the background so much, I said, Marty, let's make that the background. That's the foot. 
That's an open cluster, meaning it's very loose. It's not tight. And what is going on here is we are looking at a cluster of stars that was born out of a cosmic cloud, like the Orion Nebula that we've talked about in Orion, uh, thousands of years ago. In fact, this is 2,800 light years away. We're looking at these cluster of 200 stars there. And you see some of them are reddish and a lot of them are bluish. Those are 2,800 light years away. All right. Now behind it, a little over maybe 4,000 light years away, is this globular cluster ball that you see there of tight stars. And that's actually like an electron going around the nucleus of an atom. It's going around the outside of our Milky Way galaxy, all right? And there's, there's there hundreds of, of what we call globular clusters. Unusual to see one in the winter sky because they're concentrated in the summer sky when the main Milky Way is being seen, and they're, out, they're on either side of that. So, But look how gorgeous it is. You can see this with the naked eye with binoculars. It, it looks about like this, which you're seeing without the color. And nearby there, you'll see the faint fuzzy of the uh, globular cluster there. So isn't it gorgeous? And to think, all those stars, there's probably worlds orbiting them right now. Well, let's go from Gemini the Twins to Taurus the Bull. And there you see Orion standing up with his belt, his shoulders. He's got a club in his hand. He's got a, a, a shield in the other hand. And up above him, almost charging on top of Orion, is Taurus the Bull, so distinguished by the V-shape uh, of the, the stars that form his face and then the two outer ones that form his horns. And in the shoulder, up there to the upper right of the words Taurus, are the Pleiades, the seven little sisters. And we'll get a little taste of the seven little sisters today, but we'll have a separate program on these very important, another star cluster born within the last million years or so, or so very close to our, uh, uh, our own Earth, our own solar system. Here's a photograph I've taken of Taurus the Bull, showing you on the bottom, the brightest star is called uh, Aldebaran, which means literally means Eye of the Bull in Arabic, all right? And you see the V-shaped stars, that... that uh, uh, dash in the lower right behind the tree is an airplane and there at the top you see the kind of little dipper looking people think that's the little dipper no 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 it looks like a little dipper but it is the stars of the pleiades and with a naked eye you can see six pretty easy uh, uh four or five even from your backyard with a lot of light pollution but uh, seeing that seventh one with your naked eye was a test that the north american indians used to uh, ask young men if they could see that. They had good eyesight, so they would be scouts, and they would go and scout out. If you couldn't see it, you were going to stay back at, at the wigwam with the women and help them. So, Marty, I'm not sure. I'd probably just seen three or four stars all the time <laughs> and stayed back at camp with the women. But uh, we'll talk more about the Pleiades here, and we'll see some more beautiful pictures of it. Once again, I want, I'm not bragging about my own photography. I'm trying to emphasize you can do this with a tripod, a digital camera set on about a 1,000 or higher ISO in a 30-second exposure, and you'll get something as beautiful as this. Now, this is from my backyard when I lived in Tennessee, and I go up to the top of a mountain top, 
And then we see it a little bit better. Ooh la la. Look at there. There's light pollution. Yeah, thank you, light pollution's right. But so and I am telling you things you can see from your backyard, but when you go to a darker site, there you see more stars merged together. It's a little harder to see that V-shape. You do see the red uh, Aldebaran, and you definitely see the Pleiades up there. And uh, once again, this is just a, 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 like a 30-second. If you go any longer than 30 seconds, the stars will start trailing by the Earth moving on, uh, on our feet here. After all, we're moving 1,200 miles an hour east. That's why everything is going to the west. And... Me saying that 500 years ago would have had me burned at the stake. And I'm not kidding you. Only 400 years since Galileo and Copernicus have we. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 but uh, uh, think about that. The last 500 years, we've everyone's been on the same page. Just 400 years that the earth is revolving around the sun because we were involved for 2,000 years with the everything going around the earth. There again is the outline of Taurus at the bottom, and 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 uh, I mean Orion at the bottom and Taurus. The, that blue line is the is the uh, uh, ecliptic. So here's a look at Taurus the Bull and little mythology uh, behind uh, the legend of Taurus the Bull. Uh, it's very interesting that almost all cultures, Egyptians, Greeks, Babylonians, uh, all the ancient uh, uh, civilizations all saw a bull in this, okay? And I keep emphasizing the entertainment of the sky was the sky, uh, at the time was the sky. When it got dark, the fires were lit. People, of course, got up early and worked hard, sunrise to sunset. But then they would invent these stories of these stars that were only five of them moved in the sky, all right? And they called those the planets, Mercury, Venus, or uh, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn were the only moving stars. And then, of course, the sun and the moon and everything else seemed fixed and, and was repetitive. And so the ancient civilizations caught the drift of the constellations constantly in a rhythm, all right? And uh, took a while to figure out that that rhythm was caused by the Earth going around the sun. And like you going around the Daytona Motor Speedway, when you're looking up at turn one and over in turn three is daylight because the sun's in the middle blocking the stars out. And we'll talk more about that as you stay star curious with us. And let's go. So here, the legend of Taurus the Bull is, again, involves uh, 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 Zeus, okay? And uh, Zeus in Greek, uh, shape-shifted, all right? This would be Jupiter in the Roman world. He shapeshifted into a bull to seduce Europa, the daughter of a king who was just flat out gorgeous. Of course, Zeus is only going to chase the most beautiful women, and uh, he 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 wanted to be a bull uh, uh, and 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 trick her uh, because she would be intimidated by Zeus, you know. So he became the most handsome bull and hung out in the herd and caught her attention that he had to ride the back of this bull. And when she got on his back, whew, off to Crete they went, to Mount Olympus, where he she shapeshifted back into his old godlike self, Zeus, and told her that he really was in love with her and wanted to make her happy. Well, it must have worked because they had three sons. The most famous was Minos. Okay, he built a palace for her where bull games were held every year, the beginning of the Matador Bull type of uh, 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 bull ring type of thing. So, uh, God, and, and you know, 
Zeus was so happy with this woman that uh, 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 Europa that he uh, he honored the bull by putting it in the sky. All right, and Europa, if you've heard that before, it is a one of the four moons of Jupiter that Galileo discovered. And there is a mission on the works right now to go to Europa with a spacecraft, orbit it, and maybe land on it. Why do we want to do that? Because Europa is an icy world that has about a, a 10 mile thick, 5 to 10 mile thick layer of ice. And then beneath that, the whole globe is an ocean of water, H2O water, maybe 70 to 80 to 60 degrees, all right? It's not ice. And it had that Europa, the size of our moon, has more water on it than all the oceans of the earth. Imagine that. It's so deep and, and just a globe. So Europa, you're going to hear a lot about. And that was one of Zeus's favorite wives. And that's the legend of the bull in the sky. All right. No bull. Can't couldn't resist that, Marty. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Here we got next. There is uh, a picture of. Uh, a beautiful picture that I did not take. A Japanese astrophotographer uh, who's just outstanding uh, took this shot. Uh, there you see the red star, Aldebaran. Uh, Elnath is the star above my head up here right there. That's Elnath, the horn. And, of course, you see the Pleiades in his shoulder. All right. A little bit about Aldebaran. Uh, it's eight, uh, it is a, a very close star, all right, uh, but it is gigantic, all right. It's within a thousand light years of the Earth, but it is so huge that if it was put where our sun is in our solar system, it would swallow up the Earth and almost go out to Mars in its size. So this is one of the first stars that the Webb telescope is going to look like when it becomes functional here uh, in a few months because it'll be able to see the surface of this star and see the shape of it. And I predict it's not going to be completely round because it's so big. I think it's going to be like one of those gigantic bubbles, Marty, that kids blow and and, and it's wobbling around a little bit because uh, it's so huge. The gravity's not, not like, you know, holding it into a real ball. But we'll see. And, and uh, these are some of the exciting times we're looking forward to as the Webb Telescope uh, is, is, as we speak, being unfurled. And by the end of the month, we'll know if all systems are go. And then, then the science will start. So, um, you know, there was even a cave painting 17,000 years ago dated depicting a bull in the sky. So uh, this is really an ancient, ancient constellation, Taurus. And, you know, as we talk astrology, uh, which uh, is the stepchild of astronomy, uh, the, of course, bullheadedness comes from maybe some people that were born under there. Was that you, Jessica? Were you telling me you were a Gemini or a Taurus? Taurus. Oh, she is a Taurus. Okay. Uh, and I'm a Scorpio. And Marty... Marty won't disclose it. He's an orbit ago. What are you, Marty? Cancer. Marty's a cancer. All right. Well, we all get along good there because uh, the bull likes water. Uh, and uh, My husband's a, a Pisces. So. Your husband's a Pisces. So, <laughs> And as, as, as much as we want to distance ourselves from astrology, it's crazy how there are some traits in me that are purely Scorpio, like they say. So what can you say? Uh, but uh, that's why I'm really emphasizing these two constellations today on Stay Star Curious because so many of you recognize uh, Taurus and Gemini as being an important part of the zodiac and horoscopes. Well, 
Here is the Unseen Knight, okay? And I like showing you. Remember I showed you Orion and my friend Mark, Matt Harbison, who's taken thousands and thousands of panels of, of Orion to show you that it is immersed in a gigantic red cloud of cosmic hydrogen. Same thing with, look at here. That's Aldebaran on the bottom and the Pleiades on the top. And Marty, just like a, a, a cloud passing us in the night, this is a cosmic cloud in our uh, close to us in our uh, uh, Milky Way galaxy that is filled with rarefied gases. And those black spots up there to the upper left are globules where we think planet systems are being born, whole solar systems. The unseen night is so amazing. And that's what the Webb telescope's all about, is showing us things we can't see with our eye penetrating dense centers of gas in Milky Way, in, in our own Milky Way and other galaxies, to see the black holes in the center of them. So this takes a lot of, this is just not setting your camera up and taking a picture of this. This is is probably hundreds of pictures layered on top of each other by professional astrophotographer. And there we've got sort of what it looks like, uh, dot to dot, the uh, Taurus there in the sky, give you an idea of the size of it. It is pretty big. Uh, off to the right would be uh, Orion uh, just rising. And, uh, but, oh, I know, I know I want to show that. Is off of the, uh, uh, see the horns of Taurus we've been talking about. And the one that's this, the, on the left. You want to circle? All right. Uh, yeah, you circle the one on the left there. Thank you. The circle on the left there contains another celestial treasure of a star that blew up. Uh, yep, yeah, the upper left star there, right there. Inside of that, all right, is an object. There's the star, and inside of it is that is that look that cotton ball, Marty. Circle that, that little cotton. Just to your your your. Nope, nope. That's a that's the bright star of the horn. That is another star that exploded. Okay, called M1, Messier one. Charles Messier was the French astronomer that kept looking for comets, and when he would see a fuzzy thing like this in his telescope. He would go back and look the next night, and if it didn't move, he was frustrated because why isn't that moving? It looks like a comet. It's a faint fuzzy. That's what comets look like. Well, he found over 105 objects that didn't move. Some of them were big objects like, like the Pleiades, he called M45, but this was the first one of his famous Messier catalog of deep sky objects, M1. This is a star that humans saw explode in 1054 A.D., and the naked-eye astronomer Tycho Brahe recorded it and watched it for a long time, over a year and a half. It was actually visible in daylight for about six months, where you would go out in daylight, you would see a star in the sky, uh, all right, uh, 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 as, as the sun was in the sky. So this is called the Crab Nebula by us amateur astronomers because it's got a crab-like shape to it, okay? Like little tentacles on it and, and so forth. And this is a, an amateur astronomy backyard uh, image, uh, pretty uh, basic of what uh, we can see in a telescope, uh, faint fuzzy. But then the Hubble telescope, of course, and this is not as good as backyard astronomers get, this is a, 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 a well-known astronomer, uh, Espernak, and uh, that might be a little fuzzy in resolution because the Hubble telescope looks at the Crab Nebula 
And oh my gosh, you're going, what in the world's going on there? Again, we call these planetary nebula because in its small telescope, they have a circle like a planet. And they also, again, a star blew up in there. And the center star, we can see it just barely. And there's a neutron star about the size of the Earth spinning so fast you can't believe it. Like a, like a thousand rotations a second. All right. It's amazing. Neutron stars, uh, another mystery of, of the universe. But it blew off its outer shell and then had a couple other explosions. And as the, the, the faster explosion catches up, as the, the one previously slows down, you get all this interaction of mostly hydrogen being rarefied by the, the heat and intensity of that initial explosion that we saw happen in 1054 A.D., so, yes, since the 1930s, when they started photographing this, to, to now, 70 years later, or 100, 100 years later almost, we can see that this shell has expanded. They can even, with the, comparing the Hubble telescope images 30 years apart, they can see where they've expanded apart there. So, well, that is our starry night for Stay Curious on Star Curious. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed learning a little bit about two constellations that everybody seems to know about, Taurus the Bull and Gemini the Twins. And if you are a horoscope of those, go out and look at them tonight. If you're not, still go out and look at them tonight, like I am every clear night. Now, here we are at the beginning of a new year, 2020. In uh, 2022, yeah, 2022, we're not going backwards, Mark. We're, we're going forwards, 2022. And you will not see Venus next week. Venus has been in our, our western horizon for three months, and now it has plunged and is going uh, 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 in front of the sun and then going to rise up in the morning sky uh, in about a month. But the next couple uh, days, the first days of, of June, of January here, you can see Venus, and above it is Mercury, and then Saturn, and then Jupiter. So you got about a week to see Mercury low on the horizon as Venus sets before it. And uh, it's uh, elusive, 88 days orbiting the sun. Uh, so every four times a year, it's in the evening sky, and four times a year, it's in the morning sky. But it doesn't get very high because it hugs that sun as the first planet, just like the second planet has to hug the sun and be near it. You never see Mercury or Venus uh, after 10 o'clock at night, for sure, and you'd never see them at midnight uh, but to before sunrise because they're really always close to the sun. So thank you all for being star curious with me, Stargazer Mark. I'm going to go out and look at the beautiful night sky here, catch some more celestial treasures, and wait for you to come back next week to bridge the space between us. Oh, it's just so gorgeous in, a, in binoculars even.